0: Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Hello, Liquid. Thank you so much. Thank you for that warm welcome. Let's take a moment. I want to welcome you to, Evan- or to, uh, to Liquid Church from Evangel Church. Uh, we're glad to have you here with us. Uh, I am right around the, the block from you guys over in Scotch Plains, uh, New Jersey, and I'm just thrilled to be able to be with you. You have some great leadership here at Liquid Church. Can you give it up for your leaders? Uh, we're thankful for them. And one more time, would you give it up to all those that are watching right now all around New Jersey, whether watching online or at one of... Uh, Many campuses, welcome. Welcome to Liquid today. We're glad that you're with us. And I'm glad that you joined us today to be a part of this Games People Play series. What a fun way to end the summer together, right? That we could look at some games, some classic games, some modern games. Uh, The goal of this series is really to learn some lessons about life and about faith from the games that you and I grew up playing uh, as children, and many of us still play today because some of the greatest games in life, they teach us lessons that go well beyond uh, just principles on how to win that game. They can teach us lessons about faith and even about following God along the way. I can think back in my childhood to some of my favorite games. Let's see if you recognize a few of these. How about this one, Chutes and Ladders? Anyone? Let's see your hands. Anyone play Chutes and Ladders? That is truly the game of ups and downs, right? In one moment, you'll take a few steps, and you'll be taken to new heights, and you will feel like you are the big guy on the playground, and then you take two more steps, and you come crashing down uh, the, the, the slide. Doesn't that feel like life? It feels a lot like it to me, that there can be moments that take you to new heights, and then times where you come sliding all the way down. How about this game, Perfection? Anyone ever play Perfection? Come on, let's see a show of hands. Yeah, Perfection. I remember this game. I can still remember the commercial when I was growing up. You Ready? Fit the pieces into the slot, make the right connection, but be careful, you're racing the clock. Pop goes perfection. This was the game where you put all these pieces together, but there's a timer that's running. It's spring loaded. Yeah, come on, I hear it. And you're there and you're sweating bullets, you're trying to get them in, and then boom, it comes blowing up in your face if you miss it. That's the game of perfection. Some of you are saying, you know what? Timing, trying to get everything to fit together. Chris, I've been playing perfection every day of my life. That's exactly what my schedule looks like. That's my calendar. It's perfection, getting everything to fit just right before it all blows up in my face. You see, the games we play, they are really connected to some of the lessons that we walk through every day in life. There's some modern games that we play that are on our phones now. It's amazing that these devices have uh, tons of games. Please don't play any of them today. God wants to teach you something uh, from his word. Uh, But whenever we think about that, think about this one, Candy Crush. Any Candy Crush fans? Okay, not too many, so you're in my boat, right? The lesson that Candy Crush teaches many of us is patience with our friends for the 15th request on Facebook to join them. No, we're not joining you on Candy Crush. Um, We're not doing it. Uh, So so Candy Crush is one of them. There are a lot of games people play, and there are games that can teach us some important lessons, and I'm looking forward to sharing one of them with you today. This is a game that I played growing up, and I still love playing today. Let's see if you know this game. Say it with me if you know it. Jenga, come on. Yeah, Jenga. This is an exciting game. It's a game that uh, is thrilling as you play it. Uh, If you've never played Jenga before, Jenga is a game where your goal is to build a tower and you build higher and higher um, continually. And your goal is not to be the one that pulls the fateful brick that causes the whole thing to come falling down. You know the thing that always frustrated me about the game Jenga? It wasn't really a game that you're winning, it's a game that you're just trying not to lose. Uh, It's a game, you know, the person that loses is the one that pulls out the brick. The person that wins is just the one that didn't do it. So you don't have to do much to win. Just don't pull the last brick that causes the whole thing to come tumbling down. The word Jenga is actually a Swahili word that means to build. And that is because the inventor of the game, her name is Leslie Scott, back in the 80s, she was living with her family over in Ghana, West Africa. And it was there that she invented this game, and then they began to market it and sell it. It's taken off. It's been an incredible success. There are so many versions of this now, just like the one you can see right here in front of me. If the game wasn't challenging enough in the small version... Uh, They've made a giant Jenga, which is eight times bigger than the version that you grew up playing as a child. Ladies or anyone with open-toed shoes, please be careful when you're playing giant Jenga. You don't want to take off a toe uh, or lose a toe as you're playing it. Uh, There's also some other versions that have spun off that have kind of connected with other games. How many uh, Tetris fans do we have in the house? Anyone? Anyone grew up playing Tetris? Yeah, Tetris decided they were going to team up with Jenga, and you know what they created? You guessed it, Jenga Tetris. Jenga Tetris is a version where there are all different Jenga blocks, so they are different sizes, different shapes, and you gotta fit those together without everything coming, crashing down. But the version of the game that takes the cake for me, above and beyond everything else, is someone who had the brilliant idea of taking giant Jenga, which is already challenging enough as it is, and pretty intimidating once this thing gets going, and they decided, let's make it a little bit more tricky. Let's light it on fire. I'm not kidding you. Let's light it on fire and then let's play. And so that's exactly what they do. They take the giant Jenga game, they light it on fire, they put some special coating on their hands, and then they play Jenga, giant Jenga on fire. Uh, Some of you are thinking is if they were playing uh, Jenga and board games in the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell, maybe this is what it would have looked like, right? Uh, Fire falling from heaven, consuming the entire structure. But man, that's an intimidating game. However you choose to play Jenga, whether it's at uh, all those degrees, and please no one try that at home, uh, no matter how you play it, the premise remains the same. It is ultimately a game of stability because as you're building up, the goal is maintaining stability so that everything doesn't come crashing down. Now, I know that I've had this moment. Is there anyone that's played a game of Jenga recently? Let me see your hands. Anyone here? Yes, you've played. You know how you're feeling as you're pulling them out, as it's getting higher. Your heart's racing. You're sweating. You're wondering who's going to be the one to make it fall. And then there's that moment that comes as you're in the middle of playing. Check it out right here. Whenever you pull that fateful brick and it all comes down, your heart's in your stomach. You're like, oh, I've built for so long and it all came down in an instant. What's true in Jenga is true in life as well. That we can spend so much time building, and in an instant, it can all come crashing down. The goal is that we need to have stability. Stability is what Jenga is all about if we want to win. In life, we need to have stability as well. As we look at that, God's word has a lot to say to us about this. In fact, God's word has tons of passages of scripture that really speak to us having a stable life, a grounded life, one that can hold up. Under the most difficult circumstances. Today, I'm gonna ask you to take a look in God's Word with me at a specific story that Jesus himself taught to his followers and had everything uh, to do with how we build and how to create stability inside of our lives. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Luke chapter 6. We're gonna look at a story here starting in verse 46. It'll be here on the screen if you wanna read along. Here's what Jesus said to, to his followers He said, Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and grand idea, actually follows it. He says, you know, instead of you coming to me, calling me Lord, Lord, saying these things, but you're not actually living the way that I've called you to live, I'm going to show you what it looks like when someone comes and they don't just listen, but they begin to follow my word. He said, it's like a person. And then going in verse 48, he said, it's like a person building a house who digs down deep and lays a what? Foundation. On, say it with me, solid rock. When the floodwaters come and break against the house, it what? Stands firm because it is well built. He said, this is what it's like when you come to me, when you hear my word, and then when you follow it, it's like a person that's building a house on the right foundation. He said, when the storms come, when they blow against the structure, it stays standing because it's built right. But he said, there's another reality Another story, another picture. He said, this is what it's like when someone doesn't obey my words. In verse 49, he says, but anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds his house right on the ground without a foundation at all. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. This is what it's like. Two pictures. One, a house that's well built and the storms come and they don't knock it down. It doesn't crumble down. It doesn't all topple over. And one who builds it right there on the ground with no foundation at all. He says it's so vitally important that we have the right foundation. Here's the lesson we learn from God's word today. That your stability is determined by your foundation. Your stability is ultimately determined by your foundations, not what's going on up here. It's what's going on down here. And that's what's going to determine whether you're standing at the end of a storm or not. You know, there are many pictures in God's word of this, of lives that have been lived, of things that have come to pass and then had crumbled to the ground. It's also in our own lives we've seen this very clearly right here in New Jersey. We saw it four years ago when Hurricane Sandy hit in on October 29, 2012, we saw that there was a storm we were waiting on, something we were trying to prepare for, something we were trying to get ready for. We could have never truly anticipated the impact that would come in the wake of Hurricane Sandy. Many people lost their entire livelihood. They lost their homes. They lost all things that they had cherished for their entire lives in an instant washed away. You don't need to look any further than the Jersey Shore to see that picture, right? You saw people who their homes were literally washed away, came crumbling down to nothing in an instant. Big, beautiful, even multi-million dollar homes came crumbling to the ground when the storm hit. You see, here's what I realized, that that storm, just like many storms, it's not a respecter of, of socioeconomic status, how much money you make, how great your life is. It, it, it falls and rains on the just and the unjust. The storms come, and they're not taking into account any of those things. In fact, they don't care how many millions have been invested right here. If you don't have the foundation, it's at risk of crumbling. It's at risk of all coming down. Jesus said so vitally important that we build on the right foundation. He talks about what that foundation is. Look right back with me at verse 47 in Luke chapter six. He said this, anyone who comes to me listens to my teaching, and then follows it. He's a person that's building on the right foundation. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that my life is built on the right foundation. And Jesus gives us incredible, incredible uh, information about how we can carry that out and live it out practically in our own lives. In fact, last week, as you look, took a look at the Connect force strategy with Pastor Tim, he shared with you that the early church, they devoted themselves to four things— to the apostles' teaching into the fellowship, to the breaking of bread into prayer. The first one being what? The apostles' teaching. This was God's word, this was a teaching about Jesus. It was about coming to him, hearing his word, and then what? learning to follow him, learning to be a disciple. And so we need to make sure that we're devoting ourselves to that if we're gonna have the right foundation for our lives because it's so important that at the end of every storm and whatever life throws at us, that we could still be standing. That basis, that foundation on God's word creates stability inside of our lives. You can look back at buildings. There are buildings in this world that were built thousands of years ago that are literally still standing today. Do you know why? They had a good foundation. They had the right foundation. There are others that have been built well beyond that, and they have fallen. They're now what we would call ruins. They're great ruins because something was compromised. Something was going on. Some of those buildings even had foundations. They did have a foundation, but it was a faulty foundation. Do you know why? Because what they were building that foundation with was not right. It wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to hold up. And therefore, it did not pass the test of time like this did. It's so important for us to understand not just what's going on here and that we have a foundation, but we have to have the right foundation. You need to know something today, that if our stability is determined by our foundation, that your foundation is only going to be as good as the cornerstone that you select for it. There's a very special stone that was used in ancient times and is carried through even to today, and it's called a cornerstone. A cornerstone was a stone that was selected. And it was one that was toiled over. It's one that was sought out. It was one that you would not be able to start the project until you had secured it and found it. They would spend immense amount of time finding and then laying this cornerstone. We see now that cornerstones are normally used in buildings and really more in a decorative or ceremonial way. But in ancient times, and even leading for thousands of years, the cornerstone was the basis for the entire building. It was what everything would rest on. And so before modern architecture, this was everything. They would need to find just the right stone because this stone would set the trajectory and it would determine whether the foundation was a right foundation, a good foundation or not, because their foundation would ultimately only be as good as their cornerstone that they had selected. So it's important that we understand the concepts of this cornerstone because the Bible actually talks in terms about a cornerstone. So we're going to take a couple minutes to explore this together. There are some attributes that if you were a builder that you would look for inside of a cornerstone to make sure that it was just right for establishing your foundation. Another word for a cornerstone is a foundation stone. So there were these attributes that were that were surrounding that stone that were vitally important in that time. There are three things I like to tell you about a cornerstone that made it right. A cornerstone was precious, it was pressure tested, and it was precise. It was precious first because it was of greatest value in the entire building project. This stone would cost more than many of the other supplies. It would by and far be the most expensive stone, most likely the most expensive piece to the building because of how much time, effort, and energy was spent making sure that it was perfect in every way for the building. You see, it was precious because the great value that a builder would have to go invest into it so that it would allow the building to rest on it. It was valuable as well because the value of the building and everything that was built on it was Trusting in, resting on, counting on this cornerstone to be just right. So it was so precious. It was the most precious part of that building's stability in that time. It was also pressure tested. You see, this stone had to pass through some incredible tests if it was going to become a cornerstone. This stone could. Uh, needed to understand that it was going to be under stress. The builder needed to understand that it was going to be under incredible amounts of weight, that it had to have an integrity that could hold whatever weight would rest and fall on it. Ultimately, the cornerstone would be placed in the corner of the building, and then two walls would come out from it. And it needed to carry the weight of those two intersecting walls, and the rest of the building would then be built upon it. If there was a lack of integrity, if there was a breakdown in that cornerstone, then soon those walls would come apart. Before long, if there was a crack that formed in the cornerstone, there would become a crack in the foundation. Before long, the crack in the foundation would separate the walls. Before long, the stability is compromised and everything comes crashing down whenever pressure is put against it. So it has to pass the pressure test. And finally, it had to be precise. The precision of this stone was so vitally important. You see, a builder understood something that you and I may not understand, that the cornerstone was the absolute guide for the entire building. In the same way that we would use a blueprint now, the cornerstone in many ways served as a blueprint in ancient times. The dimensions of the cornerstone would ultimately shape the dimensions of the building. The cornerstone would be used and the angles of that stone would be followed all the way to the end of each wall. That would then form the shape of the entire building. In the same way here with Jenga, that the block, the dimensions of this block are ultimately determining, right, the dimensions of the structure. And so with that in mind, this isn't going to go this way or this way because the dimension of the block is falling in suit. It's falling in the right angle. So these angles needed to be exactly right. It needed to be level in every way. You needed to have a right plumb line. So that cornerstone had to be just right because if it was off just a few millimeters, a few inches on one end could be feet by the end of that building. And if it's off there just a little bit, it's off a lot by the end. And so, with that, if it's warped, if it's compromised in some way, if it's not precise, then it will fail them. They realize that. The same is true in our lives, that our lives are ultimately being shaped by the cornerstone of our life. Whatever it is that we would have at that place in our lives begins to take the shape of the cornerstone around us. There's something we see in God's word that speaks to the attributes that we've just talked about of a cornerstone. I want to invite you to look with me at Isaiah chapter 28, it's in the Old Testament scriptures. And with this, we're going to see how some of these very attributes that we've just talked about come to life in God's word. God's talking about this. He says it himself. Look what it says through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 28, verse 16. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am placing a what? Foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes in me need never be shaken. You see these two words here that first it's a precious cornerstone and it is a firm and tested stone. So it's precious and it passes the pressure test. But if you go to the very next verse in verse 17, here's what the Lord says about the precision of it. He talks a lot about precision. He says, I will test you with the measuring line of justice and the plumb line of of righteousness. He said, there are dimensions. There is a way that I'm measuring, and it needs to line up just right. And you need to know that if you're willing to trust in the cornerstone that I've selected and I've laid, whatever's being built on that cornerstone, you'll never be shaken. You'll never be disappointed when you choose the right cornerstone. The same is true in our life. If we've chosen the right cornerstone to build our lives on, then we, we can be sure that there's the right foundation. And if we can be sure of that, then we can know that that our stability is intact when the storms come. See, God said in his word, he promised long ago that he was sending a cornerstone. He saw the condition of the world around us. He saw how sin had ravaged lives and how people's lives came crumbling down. He saw the condition of this world And he looked upon, not in judgment, but in love. And he said, I'm sending an answer. You're looking to build your own lives, just like they did with the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. You're building it so high, but you're building without God. And when you do that, you can never win. Another lesson about Jenga. If you're the only one playing, you can never win, right? If the game's just about not losing, you're always going to pull the final block. If you're building your life without God, you'll never win. You'll never win. And he said, don't worry, I'm sending you a cornerstone. I'm sending you a precious, tested stone. I'm sending you one that is precious and one that can stand up. And if you trust, if you rest, if you build your life on this stone, you'll never be disappointed. The measurements are precise, just right, to shape your life forever. I'm sending it. And he sent not just a stone. It wasn't a stone. He sent his son. Jesus, to be that cornerstone for us. It's a name. One of the many names that Jesus has given in Scripture is cornerstone. We find that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Here's what it says. That Jesus, when we come to Christ, we come to a living cornerstone of God's temple. It says, when we come to Jesus, you are coming to a living cornerstone in God's temple, that that's who Jesus is. He is there to be the cornerstone to build the right foundation to hold our lives together. But just like a builder would have the opportunity to choose that cornerstone that he was gonna build with, you and I are given a choice. We've been given a choice. And people for thousands of years since Jesus walked this earth, they were given a choice. Will they accept that? Will they build their lives with that cornerstone, with him, or will they reject him? Here's what it says in the rest of 1 Peter chapter 4. It says he was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Jesus was rejected by this world. Those that he came to save, they ultimately nailed him to a cross. Those that he came to redeem, they ultimately turned away from him. And even when they were faithless, he was still faithful. That although they were rejected, God chose him and elevated him. And therefore, because of what Jesus has done, our lives can be changed forever. He is the cornerstone. Could you imagine with me that we were looking in on a construction site, maybe in ancient times, maybe even today. And as this builder is there and he's planning out how this building is going to come together, he looks around and he realizes the first thing I need is I need the right cornerstone. And he'd look and there it is. Right in front of him, gift wrapped. This beautiful, precise cornerstone. And they'd say, there is a builder that has supplied this cornerstone. He's the greatest builder. He's built the most beautiful structures in this world. He's literally the creator of all creators. He's given you a cornerstone to build with. And he says, yeah, I'm not feeling that cornerstone. You know what? Look at that pile of rubble over there. Do you see it? Look at that pile of rubble. I want you to go through there. Do you see anything, you know, any good cornerstones there? No? Okay, here's what you do. Grab a pile of the rubble, bring it over here, look at that cornerstone, see there's some dimensions, take the rubble, pour some concrete on it, and just kind of shape it so it looks kind of like that. Okay, wait for it to dry, Then I want you to take that, and I want you to place that as the cornerstone. What do you think the builders would think during that time? Anyone that's watching, anyone that's seeing, and say, you got to be kidding me. The cornerstone's there, but it's been rejected. And so instead, in its place, there's a lesser cornerstone a faulty cornerstone, a cornerstone that will never, ever pass any of the tests that we have just talked about. It's not precious. It's made of things that are broken, things that are not right, things that are meant to be discarded and and thrown away. No, it's taken. It's all put together, and that's what we're going to rest this entire structure on. That's what we're going to rest everything on. It's not precious. It's made of that which is worthless. It's not pressure tested because it's made of rubble. It'll come undone. It's not precise in any way because it's crooked and it's off. It's just eyeballed and it kind of looks good it could look as pretty as you want you could actually put the rubble inside and make it look so good and you can make an identical copy of it but what's on the inside is what counts right what's going on under the surface is what's there and if that's what's at the core it won't hold up and you'd say this is ridiculous Chris what are you talking about no one would ever do that guess what spiritually we do that all the time don't we we take these lesser things. We take these lesser things and we begin to build them and place them as our cornerstone. We choose ultimately the cornerstone of our lives. And it's not just with our mouths, it's with our lives, with the way that we live. We're choosing what our cornerstone and who our cornerstone will be. We can choose so many lesser cornerstones to really ground us and base our lives upon. Some of us, we can choose the cornerstone of your career. You can choose the cornerstone of your career and say, you know what, I'm resting everything on this, on how far ahead I can get, on how I can climb the corporate ladder, get ahead in the rat race, get as many initials after my name and people reporting to me as possible, and once I get there, then I'll have achieved everything I want. So it's now my cornerstone. It's now what I'm going to rest everything on. I'm trusting that my career is going to come through, and it's going to be the thing to lead my life. My life is centered and focused on that and that alone. It's most important. Some of us, we can look at the cornerstone of comparison, right? That really what we're resting on is what everyone else thinks we should be resting on. Whatever the winds of the world are saying, whatever way the wind's blowing, we're running after. We're comparing ourselves to others and saying, You have that as yours, I want that. You have that, I want that. And before looking to God or to anyone else, we're just chasing after others and saying, I'm resting. In the opinions of others, and whatever others think is right. That will be what I think is right, and what I'll rest my lives on. Others, we can have the cornerstone of confidence that's really about me. I'm the answer to every problem. I'm the greatest gift to this world, to to my family, to whoever it is. I can do anything, and I can do everything. And I have a whole series of track record right behind me that tells just how great I am. And you can have so much confidence in yourself and say, I can't trust anyone else. You can have issues that have surfaced from your past that you say, you know what? I can't trust or rest on anyone else. I can only trust in numero uno, number one. That's the only one that I can trust in. And therefore, you have your cornerstone is really your confidence in yourself. Here's the challenge with that. Whenever we choose these lesser cornerstones, it's like we're choosing that stone that I just described to you that's put together with rubble, with things that are unstable. And before long, whenever your circumstances... Because that's what those cornerstones are based on. When your circumstances are shaken, you become shaken. If your cornerstone is your health, then when sickness comes, your world begins to crumble. If your cornerstone is on and your foundation is based on your finances, then guess what? When something changes in your job and your ability to earn, when you go through a season that you never could have anticipated, when the bills are piling up, your world is coming down, right? If your cornerstone is built on these kind of circumstances, these kind of things that are very prone to change, and guess what? When they are shaken, you are shaken. When your cornerstone becomes shaken and moved, you become moved. When your cornerstone gives out and fails you, you come crumbling down because you trusted, you rested on that. We choose those lesser cornerstones. We put all of our hope in those kind of things. And many times we're building and we're looking and we're building up our lives, and as we're doing that, we're... We're trying to get ahead. We're trying to do all these different things. And before long, we start deciding that we're going to compromise at the foundation and trust in these other things and life going on well and we're enjoying everything and we're building it up. And it can look so beautiful up here. It can look like we're really getting ahead. Before long, we feel like there's not much stability. But guess what? It only takes one job loss and it all comes down. It all comes down. And before long, there you are wondering what just happened. Some of you are like, I'm awake, Pastor. You're good. But I'll tell you, it could be just a silly game, but for some of you, God's reading your mail today because you say, that's my life. That's exactly what happened. I put my hope in those things. And when they were shaken, I was shaken. Whenever the cornerstone fell out, I fell out. And there I am wondering what I'm going to do, how I'm going to rebuild, what I'm going to do with this pile of rubble, this mess that has been made. We've trusted in the wrong cornerstone. We've blamed it on the wrong thing. Here's the lesson that we need to learn today. We can't expect stability from unstable things. You can't expect stability from unstable things. We look at God's word. We look at these things that Jesus points out to us, and then we can look at what the world would offer us. Things that are prone to change when we have a God who is unchangeable. Things that can fail us when we have a God who will never fail us. And yet we choose those things to be at the foundation of our lives and we wonder why the storms take us out every single time we're putting and trying to find stability in unstable things. See, whenever you begin to build the right way, it doesn't matter how much is fallen. If you begin to clear it out, you say, I'm gonna build again. I'm gonna begin to build the right way. I'm going to begin to build on the right foundation. Jesus, you are my cornerstone. I'm placing you there at that first place. And you begin to build up. Guess what happens when you're on on Jesus as your rock, as your cornerstone, on the right foundation that God has given you? The world can become shaken. Your circumstances can become shaken. Your health, your finances, whatever it is that you're walking through can be shaken. But at the end of the day, you're not falling down, you're not shaken. Because you're rooted, you're grounded in him, you're standing on him and his truth. Oftentimes we blame We blame so often the state of our lives, the state of what's happened in the wake of the storm on the storm itself. We look and we say, you know what? I had so much and I had this and I had that. And then Hurricane Sandy came through. And Hurricane Sandy did all this to me. And I had this and I had that. And then my health turned down and it went this way. And we look and we blame it on the storm. I want to tell you today, the problem isn't the storm, the problem is the foundation. The problem isn't the storm, the problem is the stability that's been created by trusting in lesser cornerstones to rest your life on. That's the problem, because guess what? The storms are going to come. The storms are going to come, and the only thing that will determine your stability during that time is, do you have the right foundation? And that foundation, does it have the right cornerstone? Because my My cornerstone is going to determine the integrity of my entire foundation. So what does it look like? What does it look like to really trust Jesus as the cornerstone of your life? What does it mean to really make him the foundation? We can talk about that, it sounds like, yeah, that's what they say in church a lot of times, and practically, what does this really look like? I think there's a beautiful picture of this we can imagine from another game that we used to play uh, along the way. Maybe you played it in a, in a team-building setting or at some kind of retreat, a corporate retreat for your work. It's one where you'd get together with a group of five or six people, and they would call one out and elevate them to a place, and they would say, now I want you to turn around and put your hand on your chest. You're with me, right? And I want you to face away. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to fall back. You're going to lean back until you can't lean anymore. You're going to lean back until your your whole body falls in that direction. And here's what you need to do. You need to trust that we're going to catch you. Now, I'm sure that there are some war stories in in, in this place. So some of you can think of it right now, where you're at. I hope there's no one watching right now, Liquid Online, saying, yes, I just did that on Friday, and I'm in the hospital now. (laughs) I'm sorry, we're praying for you. But when you do it, what is it called? Let's say it together. A trust fall. A trust fall. This is a beautiful picture of what I'm talking about. Because a trust fall is this, that as you are leaning back, as you are going through, you're asked to lean. And when you're leaning, you have a center of gravity. So when you're standing straight up like this, your center of gravity is right below you. But as you begin to lean, your center of gravity begins to move. And whenever your center of gravity goes beyond what you can still sustain because of the angle you're leaning at, You're going to fall. Your weight's going to move in that direction. And so what you're doing when we're trusting Jesus as our cornerstone and as our foundation is we're taking the center of gravity from being on us and we're moving it to him. We're saying, you know what? I'm moving my center of gravity from here to here. And that would require me leaning on you completely. Not leaning on myself and kind of leaning up against you, not kind of just nudging against you and just holding me up. No, I'm leaning on you completely. I'm trusting you with everything that I am with everything that I have. When we use the word faith. When we use the word trust. Those are words of leaning, of resting in, of saying, you know what, I'm taking all the weight off myself and placing it on you, trusting that you won't fail me, trusting that you won't drop me, trusting that you won't you won't leave me here by myself. I'm trusting that you'll catch me when I fall. That's what it means to live by faith. That's what it means to trust God. That's what it means to have Jesus as our cornerstone is that we are allowing the entire weight of our lives to rest on him Whenever we do that, it can be scary. That's what faith is about, though. It's about trusting in God. It's about trusting him in someone greater than ourselves. But the Bible says, and in your notes today you'll see it, that whoever does this, whenever we come to Jesus, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, it mentions this, when pointing back to the, to the prophecy in Isaiah, chapter 28, it says that Jesus is that cornerstone, and he's a precious and tested stone, and whoever trusts in him will not be disappointed there are a lot of things in life that can disappoint us, can't they? There are a lot of people in life that can disappoint us that won't come through, that we trusted in, and we got burnt, we fell, we got hurt as a result of it. And so what it does, if you play that trust game, if I play it once, and that isn't going right, and I fall down on my back, guess what? I'm probably not playing again for a while. Could you imagine with me if If I was there and uh, and we're watching this happen and we have one of the linemen from the New York Giants that's there and he shows up and he's a 300 pound, six foot four and right next to him we have a little middle schooler 12 year old boy that's standing behind him saying, let me have it man, I'm there. Guess what, someone's gonna be disappointed. There's gonna be some parents writing to whatever camp has allowed this. (laughs) Uh, there's going to be a disappointed coach of the Giants because his guy's probably injured or facing some kind of charges for which has happened of falling on a small child. Um, that's not going to work. He, he would be disappointed at the end. But when we lean on Jesus, we're not leaning on someone who will fail us. We're not leaning on someone who will let us down. Not one of God's good promises have ever gone undone. He's a faithful God. Part of his faithfulness is that you could rest on him. It means you can trust him completely with your whole life, with everything that you are. You can take the center of your life, center of your gravity, center of your world, and place it on him. You can take the burdens that are on your shoulders that are causing instability in your life, and you can bring them to Jesus. And guess what? He is that cornerstone that we've talked about. He is precious. He is someone that's pressure tested. He is precise in every way. And we trust in him. We'll never be shaken or disappointed. Look what it says again in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. It says this, Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. And whoever believes in me will what? Never be shaken. Whoever believes in me and trusts in me, I'll never be shaken. And then he says we have that precision built in as well, that it's righteousness, it's justice, it's exactly as the Lord would desire for it to be in our lives. Jesus is that stone. He's a stone that we can rest our entire lives on, that we can lean on completely with everything we are. And when we do that, our lives become built up. Here's what the Bible says if we look in Ephesians chapter two, verse 20. It says, together, you and me. First Peter actually says, we're like living stones. We're being built up. We're being built into his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus himself. This is it. We are being built up, and Jesus is our cornerstone. So today, here's what I need you to know, that you're loved by a God who sees you right where you're at and who sees the stability or instability that's in your life and who says, I have the answer, you don't have to strive for it anymore. You can come to me because there's so many of us, whether people can see it on the outside or not, you can sm- have a smile on your face if you've come today to talk to someone and you could smile as you walk into work tomorrow. But I want to tell you, when people could really see behind the scenes, this is more what it looks like. My life is in ruins. Things are crumbling all around me. I don't know what to do. My life feels like it's falling apart. I got a picture of this a few weeks back. I was asked to go and speak at the New York City Rescue Mission. This is the oldest mission in the country, Look at it right in the heart of New York City. And there I was having the opportunity to address over 100 men who at that time were living on the streets of New York City, who didn't know where they were going to sleep that night, and so the mission was going to give them a bed. And as I came to speak to them, I wasn't quite sure what I would be able to, uh, to, to walk into and what I was up for as we walked into this service, how many would be there There were over 100 men, the complete room was full, and my introduction was much different than the introduction I received today. Instead, it was someone that was there in charge of the mission for that night and in charge of the beds especially, and he talked for about 15 minutes about all the things that you would do to get kicked out of the mission that night. So he said, if you do this, you don't get the bed. If you do this, no bed for 60 days. If you do this, you can't be here because there had been a lot of abuses of of people doing things, and they had to make sure that all the rules were in place. Guess what? No one was too happy about that what they were hearing, and they said all those things. They said, now let's welcome Pastor Chris. Let's go. And it was crickets. And we got up, and they, one of our worship leaders got up and said, all right, would you guys stand with me? One person out of 100 stood up. All right, clap your hands. No. They just no. We're here because we have to be here or we can't stay in the beds tonight. That's, that's the feeling in the room. They said, all right. So I got up, and I actually, when praying about what I could share with them, I, I thought right to this Jenga game. And I thought to God's word about what it means for Jesus to be our foundation and our cornerstone. And I began to talk with them and showed them the game just like this. Began to share, and it was palpable in the room as I talked to them. And I realized what I was, what I was looking at in the group of men that were there. Some of them would be people that you would have worked alongside of. People that had lives and careers and families, and, and yet they fell into something, fell into alcoholism, fell into a drug addiction. Others of them, the world around them just collapsed whenever they they were faced with a circumstance that was beyond them. Their health failed them. They went through a tragedy in their lives and they spiraled to a place where everything fell apart. And as I shared, and as I talked about what happens when everything comes crumbling down, I, I looked and I was amazed to see how much they were getting it. They were realizing in that moment, I was trusting in the wrong cornerstone. I was trusting. It wasn't the storm. It wasn't the circumstance. It was that I didn't have the right foundation for my life. And that night, I gave them an opportunity to make Jesus the cornerstone of their lives, to make Jesus the foundation, to accept him as their Lord and Savior. And what they did that day is they rose their hands, many of them, and they said a prayer to invite Jesus into their lives and into their hearts. And I was amazed at the end of the service, as I talked to the leader in the room, he said, we never had more people in one service Give their hearts to Jesus, and we just saw it tonight. Can we praise God for that? It didn't mean their life was going to be instantly better. It didn't mean that their life was going to all get fixed in an instant, but it meant now they're building with the right foundation. They're building with the right with the right cornerstone. Jesus is there, and the storms can come, but it won't take them out. See, the God of the universe, he's reaching out to us. He's reaching out, and God sent his son, Jesus, as our cornerstone precious. You know the value of Jesus, our cornerstone, what it cost the God of the universe, our heavenly Father to send him? It cost him sending his own son to die on a cross for us. It cost him to see his son in anguish as he was there on Calvary's cross. It cost God that loved us so much to send his son that he would pay a price that you and I could never pay. We cannot afford what Jesus purchased for us and what God has given us in a free gift of Christ. Whenever Jesus was on the cross, the Bible says the sins of the world weighed upon him, rested upon him. Do you know why? Because he's a cornerstone that wouldn't give up under them. Our lives crumble when we allow sin and burdens and those things, the weight we cannot handle. But Jesus, he's strong enough to handle it. And not only that, he didn't just handle it. He overcame sin. He overcame death. He even overcame the grave. He rose to new life to become that cornerstone that if we look to him, There is no burden that is too strong for Jesus. There is no sin that is too great. There is nothing you could do. You may feel shamed. You may feel so guilty about choices that you've made in your life, but let me tell you something today. You can come to Jesus and he doesn't wait for you to clean up your life. He doesn't wait for you to get it right and get it together. He comes and he meets you right where you're at and he loves you with the love of a father and he receives you and he takes the burden. He takes the yoke. He takes the things that have weighed you down and he gives you a brand new life, a life that is marked by forgiveness and grace. Do you know what grace is? One of your core values are grace wins. Grace is God's unmerited favor. It's unmerited favor in your life that you get what you don't receive. That's what's so amazing about grace. And God's grace extends as Jesus reaches out to you. Because he can handle every bit of the weight of sin, everything that you're walking through today. Nothing, nothing is too great for our God that we serve. And he's precise. He gives you, he reshapes your life if he's your cornerstone. If the cornerstone takes on the shape of whatever it is that's being built on it, then our lives become shaped by Christ as we're led by him. I would ask you to bow your heads with me right now as we close in a word of prayer. I want to give you an opportunity today, the same opportunity that I gave to those men that sat in that room a few weeks ago. I have to ask you today, are you leaning on Jesus with everything that you are? Are you making him the cornerstone of your life? Are you Truly coming to him and allowing your whole life to now rest on him. I'm going to invite you in just a moment to say a prayer with me. For some of you, for the first time, others, if this would be a time where you know you're far from God, but you want to turn back to Jesus, you realize that things have been made a mess of without him, wherever you find yourself today, the answer is Jesus. So for some of you, you've never said a prayer before to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to put your faith and your trust in him for your entire lives. I'm gonna invite you to do that. Brothers, you may wanna make a prayer of recommitment of your life to Jesus and to begin to trust and to rest in him. Why well, believe today that defining moments, and this is a defining moment for many of you, they call for decisive action. It means that you're ready to make a step towards him, to reach out to him. The God of the universe is reaching out to you right now, right where you're at. If you're in one of our campuses right now, God sees you right where you're at. If you're watching online, God sees you right where you're at. And right now, I'm going to ask you, within the sound of my voice, if you can hear this message and you're ready to respond to Jesus, right where you're sitting, would you just lift your hand right above your head? If that's you, and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. That's me. Praise God. If there's anyone else right now, just lift your hand right above your head. If you're recommitting your life to Jesus Christ, do that as well. Lift your hand right above your head if you're trusting Jesus with your life. Amen. I see hands going up in our campuses, online. Just raise your hand. God sees you right where you're at. Praise God. Praise God, I want to pray with you. I want to ask you to say these words with me. Repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, let's all say it together. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me. Thank you for this new life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for being my cornerstone. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate with those that made that decision today for the first time? Praise God. Praise God. For the rest of us today, my question for you is this. Are you making Jesus your cornerstone, not just Sunday, but every day of your life? Maybe you've been here for a while, but are you trusting with everything that you are leaning on him completely? I'd love you to say a prayer over all of us today in closing when we all bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, I thank you today that you are a living stone, that you're a precious stone, that you are our cornerstone, our foundation, and we rest on you. We trust in you because you can handle everything we walk through. Today, Lord, we lean on you and we ask you to meet us right where we are, Lord God. May our lives come in line with your word And Lord, would you lead us and guide us forward? Would you build us up in every way? Would you allow us to have that stability that comes from our foundation in you, Jesus? In your name we pray, amen. Amen, God bless you. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com